0: It's chaos. It's a different type of Sunday scary. It's your newest obsession. It's Dirty Driving, a Formula One podcast. We're the Hornsby sisters. I'm Katie, and I'm Megan. Hello,
1: everyone. Hello, hello. And
0: welcome back to another episode of Dirty Driving. This series is for our next guest, and Megan is going to be.
1: Yes, so for our next guest, I'm actually very excited about this guest. It's a blast from my college past back in Springfield, Missouri. But today we have someone who I've known for a while, but we've reconnected because he's in racing and I love racing. And um, we're here to hear all about what it's like and to be, you know, trying to make it in pro racing. So welcome, Derek Ware.
2: Hello. Hello. How are you guys?
1: We're good. Happy to have you here.
2: Thank you. It should be fun.
1: Yes, I'm very excited to hear all about what you've been doing since freshman year at Missouri State.
2: <laughs> oh man, that that's a long list. That's a real long list.
1: <laughs> I did some <clears throat> mental math and that was approximately 10 years ago.
2: Oof. Yeah, it don't remind me. That, me. that high school reunion's coming up real quick. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Don't even mention high school reunions. I don't think I'm even allowed to attend mine. Uh, Well, I am going to get started and just say, so we're here to talk all about like the process and the experience of how you got to where you are and what you've really been up to. Um, So let's start with just like tell us about you, your background. How did you get started and your path to what you're up to now?
2: Yeah, so let's just start from the beginning. I went uh, into go-karts at the age of nine um, and was instantly hooked. There was no looking back. Uh, did about seven years in go-karts, took a couple championships, some U.S. championships, stuff like that. Uh, no international stuff, but uh, you know, competed with some of the best here in the States and had a long, good run. And just like in most racing, you run out of money, or run out of seat time. So there was no more, no more go-karts for me. Took a little break. Uh, That's about the time I went off to high school and started college uh, over there in Springfield. <laughs> and then finally, with about a semester left of college, I decided to, you know what, we're going back racing. Dropped out of college, went back into it uh, full head first, not knowing what I was going to be doing, but knew that the Skip Barber Racing School Academy was kind of a dream that I always looked up. And my dad's like, hey, let's go do it. So there we go. Uh, went on Skip Barber then. That was like 2016, 2017-ish, like late 2016, I think. And then went through their schooling program and then they offer a like an academy shootout. So they bring the best 30 drivers from across the world, even the country, um, who've all participated in some sort of racing school of some sorts. And then they put you together and you compete. And First time around, you're, you're allowed to do it twice. Uh, first time around, I ended up making it to the top five. There were some kids that everyone that finished ahead of me had already done it. So I was like, all right, well, you know, not too bad. Um, and then so prepped for the next year, went on and won the next year. Uh, 20 Was that 2018, I think? Won the shootout championship, was on cloud nine, uh, ready to get my full season of racing with Skip Barber and like really start my journey. Because from there, that's like, Everything just snowballs. Yeah. Um, well, that wasn't the start. Uh, Skip Barber ended up filing for bankruptcy and shut down. I lost all of my scholarship. I lost everything that I'd worked so hard towards. So, yeah, I got kind of lucky um, and ended up moving over to sports car side of things. And there's a lot more seats in sports car than there is in open wheel stuff. Um I mean, you put it this way, if you look at IMSA or, you know, a bunch of the different uh, sports car series, sometimes there's three, four drivers per car. Whereas wow. open wheel, you only get one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a little bit easier to make in that, route, that world. So we did that for a couple of years, did some great racing, had some, some real good success. Uh, and then last year, I ended up starting up a team with a gentleman and we ran a four car team uh, and a amateur endurance series while coaching some people to try and get them up and ready for the pro ranks. And while doing that, I also had my pro race debut with IMSA, Mm -hmm. um, who is the, one of the major sports car racing realms here in the States. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty exciting. And then now, you know, just like all racing, you got to keep your head down, keep trying to find the money and the traction to keep going forward. So that's where we sit today.
1: That's um, amazing. That's such an interesting path because (laughs) I didn't know that you had left with just a semester to go.
2: Yeah, mom wasn't too happy about that one, but dad was like, all right, well, let's make it work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I was going to ask, like, how did people react to you leaving school and saying, like, I'm going to go full on in racing?
2: Well, I mean since i was a little kid you know everyone's always like well i'm gonna be a race car driver i am gonna be a race car driver well when the little kid phase kind of wore off and i was starting to become an adult and i still said i'm gonna be a race car driver you know some people were pretty supportive of it you know some people were skeptical as they'll always be but uh for for a good portion of it i had a lot of friends and family and just peers that that really helped push me and and helped me get to the next levels um you know, that shootout well the, the one that I won, I ended up holding a fundraiser for it and had over a hundred people show up and tons of money donated just so I could make it to the shootout because it was a big week long event that I had to go to. So I've had a lot of good support from along you know, along the way, uh, some skepticism, but you know, hey, you you gotta fight through all that to in order to make it.
0: Yeah, definitely
1: absolutely i i think it's like very impressive that you've just at every turn you know even with your school going bankrupt you're just like and i still want to keep doing this
2: yeah yeah i mean you gotta look everyone would do it if it were easy right so you just you keep your head down you keep forging your own path you got to learn along the way i'm a first generation race car driver you know so a lot of these guys especially in formula one all of those Formula One drivers are, or most of them are second generation, third generation drivers, you know, their family kind of knows the, the path they need to take and how to get the sponsorship and how to, you know, work the politics of, you know, the paddock and, and everything else. And me and my dad, we're, we're learning along the way and, you know, we, we've, we've given it a good run and I think we're still, we're still here to keep fighting for, for more. So there's a couple series this year that I'm going to try and dabble in and see if we can't make a career out of that. Not quite Formula One, but we'll get
0: there. (laughs) Hey,
1: no, I mean that's a whole different world. What um you mentioned like you're first generation race car driver. Your dad is helping you. What are those like politics that you have to navigate? Is it knowing you know, knowing the right people? Is it knowing just like the right way of doing things? Forging connections, networking, or.
2: Most definitely, yeah. A lot of a lot of networking, um, and my dad was just a hardworking, get the job done and keep going kind of guy. Whereas I had to learn to be the more social butterfly and, and network throughout the paddocks and find the teams and talk to the people and you know kind of get in. And it, it sounds rough, but it, it is very clicky. You know, you got to kind of get in with the right people at the right times and. You know, it it can be kind of cutthroat as well. Um, Everyone's trying to to take take the job because at the top, you know, everything really starts to funnel and and bottleneck. You know, so you get to, like you said, Formula One. There's 20 seats. Okay. Well, you know how many millions of kids out there want to drive race cars and drive Formula One? So the bottleneck, it bottleneck's harder than almost any other sport in the world. Um, You know, soccer, you've got, what, 15, 20 teams, forty plus players a team. That's a lot of people still going into pro soccer. You know, same thing with baseball, football, whatever. But racing, NASCAR, thirty plus cars or thirty-ish cars, only one driver per car. You know, so it's thirty people at the top there. Indy cars the same way. So the bottleneck in racing is a lot harder. So you just have to know how to talk to people. You'll find the sponsorship, um, and that was the hardest part was was learning the networking, learning the politics, um, knowing who's gonna. A lot of people like to try and sell you the best thing, but who actually has the best thing? You know, and that's part of the, the politic game as well.
1: And how do you, like, get that information of knowing, like, who to go with? Because, you know, they're all trying to sell you on the same thing. Is it just trial and error?
2: Unfortunately, sometimes it is trial and error. Sometimes there's a little bit of, uh, well, that didn't work. Let's go to the next one. And then sometimes, you know, there's you, you get enough people behind you, you. You've got some people you can rely on and ask ask the hard questions and, you know, they've probably been in the sport for longer and done the certain things. And, you know, so they give you a couple things to look out for and who's who and who's not to talk to and those, those types of deals.
1: How long did it take you to like find these people? I'm just so intrigued by this, like this mm-hmm. paddock politics, yeah. things like, <laughs> like how do you find these people that are like the ones you trust? Is it just like they believe in you or like, yeah.
2: So, I mean, it, it kind of comes with the personality you carry, yeah. you know, you're going to attract the people that you, you know, the energy you give off. So I'm going to try to be pretty lighthearted, you know, smiley, <laughs> you know, look for the positive kind of person. And, and you, you you find those people out there. They, they exist and you just, you kind of buddy up with them. And like I said, if they've been in it and they've been around it, they can point you in the right direction. So you, you just connect with the people that you kind of mesh with, you know, just in your everyday life. You have the same interests. You have the same likes. Um, you're both the same type of people and they've just done it already. They're older. They've gone further or whatever. You know, they've caught their break early. So now they can help you catch your break.
1: Yeah, so That's, that's kind of so how that works. Cool. I think that's so cool yeah. <laughs> that there are people there that like, <laughs> genuinely want to help other people succeed. But I guess that's also what you're doing right now.
2: Trying to. Yeah, I mean, you've you got to... You got to be grateful for the opportunities you've been given. And the only way I can show, you know, my gratitude is by also giving back. And so I think, you know, the higher up I go, the more people I bring with me. You know, that's that's kind of how I look at it. If I if I make it special, you know, or make it you know successful, I want my friends to be with me. Or, or you know, the, the kids that I mentored in their go-karts, you know, whatnot. So, so it's all just giving back a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I love that you see... That progression of if I'm going to do well and be successful, then I'm going to take these kids with me because that's I mean, Megan and I talk about that all the time. Like, you know, one day if the podcast gets huge, you know, we want to take our music guy, we want to take our editor, we want to take everyone who's been a part of it and yeah. it has helped us become better as well. So, yeah, I love and- I love that.
2: Definitely, and it's just like in your your respective worlds, you you build that family, you know, just like you're talking. Your sound guys, your video guys, they're all your family now, and that's who you bring with you. You grow, your family grows, so that's all it is.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Talk to us a little bit more about what a day in the life of driving school is, (laughs) and what that even looks like, because when I hear driving school, like, is it nine to five? Is it <laughs> get lunch breaks? Is there a cafeteria? Yeah. yeah, just talk to us a little bit about it.
2: So driving school is you pay a bunch of money, unfortunately, just as <laughs> the motorsports world is. Um, but, you know, just like a tuition, you're, you're paying a yeah. lot of money. That's your school. So my school is racing. Um, and then it's typically like they like to do about a two, three, four day segment. So you show up you know first days usually introductions of sorts um get you familiar with the car kind of the equipment you're gonna be working with whatever your instructors all those things and then um, you know the schools i've been through they they really like to kind of put you in a car right away you know it's it's what you're paying to be there for right so they'll get you out they'll do some real basic kind of maneuvers in the cars kind of teach you a little bit of car control of the you know the specific car you're in um, especially if it's a beginner one, you know, they want you to learn. You know, you're so used to, to coming up to a stop sign in your car and just pushing on the brake and the car stops. Well, how does the car stop? You guys, They want to teach you how the car stops. They want to teach you how the car turns and what it does when when it's in the middle of a turn and, and all these types of things. So they really start to break down the, the mechanics of a vehicle and the, um, you know, the, 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 the suspension setups and all those things. But really, so once you're in the car, you get a little bit of warm-up, come out you have lunch and then now you're fresh you recap on everything you learned in the morning and you go back out and you use it and so then they try to get you on track pretty quick um, and so the more time you're on track the, the the quicker you're learning everything you know without overloading you um, and you do that same thing basically for about three four days and then if you get into the more advanced classes you just they throw you right in the cars and then they start working on more advanced techniques like trail braking and you know um just mid-corner entry, mid-corner exits, you know, kind of feeling how a car works through corners and, and being able to relay that information to whether it's your engineer or just the coach helping you to help set up the car, all those types of things. So it, it really breaks down and starts to, to give you a full mind space of how the car works, how to make the car better, how to make myself better, and, you know, and then get be able to, to take that information and use it.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I never thought it was going to be like short days and just plopping you in the car and getting you in there and letting you yeah, try no. Do you feel like now you can hop in pretty much any vehicle and know what you're doing?
2: Yeah, I've got you know. As a race car driver, we all think we're the best drivers out there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to, right? Like,
2: if you weren't a you little, you're the only one behind the wheel, so you have to be the best out there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, in the end of the day, your your vehicle dynamics is gonna be relatively similar to most cars you get into. Um, I've heard the dirt world, you know, the, the the late model dirt racing, the sprint racing stuff. That's a whole new world that, you know, is basically everything you've learned road racing, you throw it out the window and you learn something new. That's the only other time, you know, even I've got a buddy who wants me to go do some UTV racing with them. You know, some off-road Lucas Oil sponsored racing and that all, you know, the vehicle dynamics, the way the car takes a set, the way the car, you know, enters and exits corners. You're still hitting apexes. You're still finding your brake zones and your track outs and setting up for the next corner. So that all still relates um, even if it means sliding a car sideways, you know, I do that for, for motor trend and, and the stunt driving stuff. And that all still is correlating.
1: Okay. So lots of questions about all the things you just yeah. said. Um, first question is, would you actually like take the jump into like off-road racing? Cause that's becoming bigger now that there's more of that out there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't. It's hard to say no because, look, in the end of the day, if a sponsor comes up and says, "Hey, here's some money, let's go racing," you take the money and you go racing. Um, <laughs> there, there are some cool avenues too. You know, the there's a series that follows. I think they follow like IMSA and IndyCar, and it's the Stadium Truck Series, basically. Um, hosted by Robbie Gordon, I believe. And all these UTV drivers now jump into that series. And now they're on the main stage. You know, they're in front of all these people. They're on some of the most amazing tracks in the world. They'll go run Laguna Beach, um, you know, with an in- IndyCar, and they'll do jumps higher than the stands and stuff like that. So, like, it would still be a blast to do. Uh, to, to, to say I would, like, just completely divert from road racing, Probably not. Most race car drivers like to keep their fingers in all kinds of different <laughs> racing avenues. <laughs> you know, just more seat time.
1: Yes, I completely understand that. Okay, yeah. next question to all the things you had just previously <laughs> said. I have to ask about stunt driving. First off,
2: yeah, how
1: was it? How was the transition from being like a road? race driver to being like okay now I'm gonna go stunt which everything is from my understanding very choreographed correct
2: correct um you do have a stunt coordinator basically on set at all times kind of planning shots out um or they've planned it out beforehand and you just have to execute but um it's you you're asked how is it right how is like being on set
1: yeah like what what's like how do you prepare for like? There must just be like a different set of like mental and like notes and like scripts you have to follow than like okay, I'm gonna go race today, and i I, I just feel like stunting yeah. is like a structured narrative. It's, it's,
2: it is definitely um, not racing, so obviously, but like racing is you show up at the track, the car's ready, you get out on track, and you go do your thing. Um, whereas stunt driving is very much so you're reading set lists, you know, weeks in advance, you're kind of seeing what the, the, they want the car picture to look like, you know, so you, you're talking with the director and the stunt coordinator and you're kind of setting up how the picture supposed to look and what they want you doing. And Hey, is this possible? Is this possible? Um, so, you know, you could also be on set, you know, racing is basically go, go, go from lights on, you know, but in, in the film world, it's a lot of hurry up and wait, um, you could get in a car and then sit there for the next hour while camera gets ready or whatever. And so it's, it's a whole different world, but you know, I was very blessed to find a lady who brought me into the film world before I even started stunt driving. So I kind of got to see from like the ground up as like a a production assistant, basically how things work on a set and then transfer over to becoming, you know, a SAG driver and being able to be in the, you know, part of the union and, get these cool commercial gigs and stuff like that and so i know you know kind of i got to see a little bit of each job before i just hopped in as you know the talent now instead of behind the scenes because there's there's two very different worlds that happen there um but uh being you know being the talent it is cool you get to sit at the big table with with all the big guys and talk to some of the really cool people who've made some amazing movies and and you work real closely with the film car that's worth more than you know any house that i could ever afford and they're (laughs) like hey around this at, you know, 50 miles an hour, but don't hit this $3 million camera. So it's a little bit of, you know, a, a like, it's a little bit of paranoia at the same time. Um, you know, when you're racing, you race, you wreck, you wreck, you fix it and you go, well, you hit the camera shoots down. Now you've just cost hundreds of not thousands of dollars, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in in damages and time off and stuff like that. So it's very, very very choreographed very specific on what they want you to do you need to be able to hit that mark every single time and don't make mistakes yeah
0: wow that's that's i'm like amazed (laughs) i'm sitting here like oh my god that's that's mind-blowing like i'm picturing the james bond i'm picturing the fast and the furious like yeah all of
2: it (laughs) it's how it's it's a lot of what you see in the movies i mean it's just like that you know it's pretty crazy the intensity onset at all times yeah
0: but. okay so talk to us a little sorry Megan
1: I have cool. just yeah. one more question about stunt driving yeah, and okay. then you can ask you're okay coolest yeah, yeah. car you've gotten to drive stunt driving like come on tell us oh. coolest one oh. it doesn't have to be coolest, coolest. One. it can be the favorite ah
2: coolest one I don't know There was I've done some Lamborghinis and some Ferraris you know the fun stuff um but I would say Actually, you know what? Okay, I did do a shoot. I have a buddy. Um, I think I can say this. I'm going to be on a Netflix show. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can say which one, but okay. there's a car that I use, and it is a very built ZL1 Camaro. Um, so it's a 2018, I think. ZL1 1LE, um, hopped up Camaro. So it's supercharged, make like 800 something horsepower. This is custom one-off like gold wheels like it's crazy yeah and I'm driving that in a TV show and we'll, it'll be the the first episode in the TV show
0: okay well yeah, we're gonna have to <laughs> know what that is when we're allowed to know what that
2: is yes yes exactly <laughs> yes. they keep they keep saying it's coming out and it, it's been pushed a little bit and pushed a little bit but uh rumor is it's still happening
0: yeah. okay I, your Netflix debut
2: Yes, exactly. Will, we
1: will totally rehype up this interview saying we got the first release of
0: this information.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got the sneak.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's shift a little bit more into talking about preparing for a race. Like, how do you mentally get ready? What does your pre-race routine look like? Do you, you know, do you've got the tennis balls? Are you doing the (laughs) reaction times? Like, talk
2: to us about that. Okay, no, so it starts typically week in advance, you know. Um, You're spending a lot of time on the simulator, uh, trying to learn the track, trying to, you know, match the car, trying to just be 100% familiar with the track. That way when you show up and you go out and you press the gas pedal, you know what's coming next. Um so you're watching a lot of videos, you're doing a lot of time on the simulator, and then I like to in bed the night before the race or qualifying, whatever it is, first day at the track even. Um all the video I've watched, if it's a track I've been there, I watch my video, if it's a track, I've not been there, I watch someone that you know I trust and and has kind of the same driving style as me. And then I just run through it in my head. I close my eyes, I lay there, no sound, and I think through the shift points, I think through the break points, I think through Um, you know, each turn and each track out what's coming next. It's I'm very visual. um, And so in my head, I can picture all of this. And I just just like they show in like the cinema movies, you know, you just get that tunnel vision, you find it and then boom, you go. And so I do that the night before. Um, Then you wake up and dad usually makes a pretty good meal. He likes to be at all the races. So he makes me a good, good hearty meal instead of some hotel breakfast that's never (laughs) good enough. Um, And then it's basically game on you. You recheck your notes. Uh, you make sure that you haven't forgotten something. Uh, that would be bad if you forget a turn or something like that. <laughs> you think you're going left, instead <laughs> you go right. But um, no, and then and then basically you go over your notes. You start stretching. Some people have their you know their tennis balls, their jump ropes, whatever. I like the jump rope. I just like to get the blood flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that was something I, I boxed for a lot of years, and I think it really helped my racing. And so jump roping was just always my center. I found found good rhythm. You kind of get a good flow in your body going when you jump rope and then stretch it out and get in the car and try not to be too nervous or you throw up. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do the nerves ever go away or?
2: Uh, No, no. I mean, anytime you strap in, qualifying not so bad. I mean, it's all right. But, you know, no matter where you're at, if you're starting first or last on the paddock, you know, the moment you strap in and you get before you get onto the track, you get on the track, everything goes away. The tunnel vision kicks in. But you're sitting there and you're doing your radio checks with your spotter and you're knowing that, like, okay, this is this is happening now. Like, that's your last bit of, like, okay, keep everything down and then we're good. And then as soon as you roll off, everything goes away. You're good. You take a deep breath, you get the air flowing, everything's good. Um, so the nerves are hard. But, no, it's they don't ever really go away. Sometimes they're not as bad as others, but, uh, yeah just something you work with yeah I've even heard you know IndyCar drivers for years Joseph Newgarn says he's like man every time I strap in I'm I'm ready to throw up there's always nerves you know Yeah.
0: oh my gosh that's crazy I um I'll never forget the what movie is it Megan it's um we just watched it and he throws up before every race it's Hunt James Hunt yes Yeah, yeah yes he throws up before every race and so it's like now hearing you say it, and I've heard a couple other yeah. people say it, it's like, wow, those nerves really never go away.
2: No, it's, there's just so much on the line, you know, your, your career could end to that day, whether you get hurt or you just wreck out and there's no more funding or you, you know, you lose sponsorship because you didn't and finish well. Like there's so much on the line every single time you start a race car. So there's, there's always, always nerves. And there's no one else to blame it on either. You're the one driving. So yeah. <laughs> you take all the blame when things go wrong.
1: Do they really just go away like instantaneously after the race starts? Like is it lights out and they're gone oh, yeah. and you're just in the moment?
2: Yeah, once you start warming up the car and you're, you know, you're swerving and doing your bra- getting your brakes up to temp and things like that, getting your tires up to temp, that's your focus. So the moment the focus shifts from sitting in there thinking about it to actually being out there doing it, goes away you know now I'm now I'm playing scenario playing I'm warming up the yeah. tires I'm getting the brakes hot make sure everything's good now it's more of a, a like an analytical standpoint I'm like talking to my my crew chief making sure that we're in the same communication strategy is ready you know we, we know what we're doing um, and then that by that point you're ready for green flag and you play out every situation that could happen in turn one and hope that the best one happens you know <laughs> So it's it's pretty impressive when you go down there and you've got all these guys trying to go for the same spot. Or guys and gals trying to go for the same spot. It's uh you want to be ready and so your your mind's focused on that and nothing else.
1: What um do you do anything differently if you're like you've had a bad qualifier and like is that night before the race any different to help you like reorient yourself or is it like the same routine as if you've done well?
2: Yeah, I mean you try to be pretty consistent. Um, that's just as a driver, it, it everything's about being consistent. You know, if you're consistent, then you can, you know, you, then you can update or then you can like, you know, change little things at a time. So uh, the the more consistent you are, the more consistent your routine is. Even just every little bit helps with the focus of what's going to happen on the track. So I'm not really changing my my pre-warm-up or, you know, my notes. Maybe I'll go over the notes one extra time, make sure I didn't miss something or double check why I messed up in qualifying. If it was just a bad lap, it was a bad lap. You throw it away, you move on. Um, But also drivers are pretty superstitious as well. So I make sure I've got all the superstitions worked out (laughs) before I get back in the car the next day. I'm like, okay, we are good to go now.
1: (laughs) Do you have any superstitions? Do you wear like the same socks? Are you li- so, are you even willing to admit the superstition?
0: Yeah. Uh, will will, uh, yeah, that, will well, that mess yeah, up the I things?
2: Think... <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I think I can admit them. But uh, yeah, so that that shootout, the last one I won at AMP, I may or may not have only worn two pairs of socks in five days, um, and one pair was four days long. So uh, yeah, once I started doing well, I was like, well, these. I had these socks on. There's no reason the socks were helping me. I I changed my my underwear. I changed my clothes, whatever else. I was wearing the same hat, you know, but the socks are what did it for me, you know. And so I don't know why it was the socks. It was just the socks thing. And it's always been kind of a socks thing. Through all of my sports and everything I've ever done, it's always a weird little socks thing. So every time I go out and play like rec league softball on the weekends, you know, I'm not racing. I'm wearing the socks that I wore last time we won. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But I may or may not have gone through a couple dirty pairs of socks in in my racing career just because I was like, you know what? They helped me get here. We're going to keep going.
1: (laughs) Hey, you got to do what you got to do. And if it's the socks, it's the socks. If they're dirty, they're dirty.
2: (laughs) Air them out, you know, the best you can and you keep going.
1: You know, you can like hang them up for the night. You're just like, if I'll hang them, they'll smell less.
2: Yeah. Right, exactly. Even though they've been in a soaking hot leather fireproof boot, you know, for the last twelve hours probably of the day, you know, it's,
1: just, it's all right. You work with it. Yeah, <laughs>
2: if they're a little crusty the next morning. They're a little crusty the next morning. We
1: <laughs> have, <laughs> you... have to do what we have to do.
0: Yeah,
2: we exactly. Do.
0: Have you ever done a shoey with um? <laughs> with your
2: <boots>? No, so <laughs> that one really didn't, you know, become a thing till. I was in, in sports car racing, and, you know, there's not a ton of podium celebrations like that. I guess there is. I mean, in the top realms. But, like, when I was managing the team last year, you're not on the on the podium spraying champagne. It was, you got your trophy, you got your picture, and you kept going. So, no, the answer is I have not done a shoe yet. I think I'd be okay even if I had my four-day-old socks in there. I would I would do it. It's worth it.
0: That's really the question I wanted to ask. So yes, I'm glad you yes, it.
2: yes. It's <laughs> worth it. If if I'm four days deep in some socks, but we just won a big race, I'll do a shoey. <laughs>
1: Love to hear it. Love to hear it. They're not as bad no. as you would think. Like they're pretty awful. No. but they're not terrible. I mean,
2: yeah, alcohol's got to kill some of the bad stuff, in there, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, I, we didn't die when we did it. Yeah, we, See, we there done a you go. Yeah, so you did
2: you here. did one of them. Nice. Yeah,
1: for <laughs> literally no reason other than her birthday and it was in a bowling shoe. So like in a bowling shoe. Oh.
0: I own it's my bowling shoe. Okay, to, okay. Yeah, it's my bowling shoe. I felt like you
2: took some pair from the the other oh, girl no. and were like <laughs> oh these have been sit on my shelf for a while let's do a shoey out of them
0: <laughs> i had to i had to clarify that it was my gotcha
2: too. all right that's a little bit better then it's you know it's still a lot yeah. of sweat and everything in them but you know that's just part of the flavor part of the yeah. flavor part
1: of, part of the flavor i love it <laughs> i highly I recommend t- it <laughs>
2: I'll do it. Next next podium. We got it. Next win. It has to be a win. Can't yes, do it just no, as a podium. It has to be
1: a win. We'll, we're waiting yes. for it.
2: All right. All right.
0: Tell us a little bit more about being on the other side of preparation with coaching and training. Like, how do you shift focus with that? How do you get them prepped? How do you approach that?
2: Yeah. Um, so it's, I use my coaching as coaching for myself. Um, it's, That's something I found that's worked for me. Uh, It helps me analyze my driving more when I'm analyzing other people's driving. So a lot of times, you know, you get a client, you get a car, you get track dates. Okay. So you get out there. um, Basically, I'll go out. I'll set a hot lap more or less for him to try and chase. Mm -hmm. So we'll go out. I'll get a data lap and then we'll come back. We'll review it. And he will or she will, will go over the video. We'll go over the data and be like, okay, let's go see what you got. So they go out, they run it, and come back in, and again, it's just a bunch of re- rinse and repeat. You know, we, we review the data, send it back out, comes back in, make some changes to the car, make some changes to him, his line, is, or their, their line, their um, break points, whatever it may be that they're missing, and it's just do it over and over again because repetition and consistency is what, what makes you a better driver. Um, and then you know you just kind of talk through the notes, and sometimes you do ride-alongs. You know you can if the car has a right seat. Uh, it's not most race car drivers' favorite thing because you're now putting your life at other people's hands when you only like to be the driving or do the driving. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you, you can get a, if you trust your client enough, you can get in and, and ride right seat, and that way you can do live, instant, you know, coaching. You know, if he's coming up to a corner and and they're you know, eyes aren't caught up and, and they're looking at their break point when they're should already be looking for their turn in, you know, I can be talking to them through that because I can see what's going on. I've been in their spot. So now I'm watching the car and watching what they're doing. I'm watching what you know the track's doing. And, and I can help just be that extra voice in their head saying, hey, do this. Hey, do that. and And it helps them kind of learn that. And as they keep doing it over and over again, that that voice just kind of starts to be permanent in their head instead of me physically being there saying it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of just consistency, rinse and repeat, do it again, do it again, do it again. And then, um, you know, it helps me, like I said, it helps me give myself that voice in my head when I'm driving the race car. So you don't really switch it off. You just keep, keep doing it and you you know what you're supposed to be doing. So I tell them what they're supposed to be doing.
1: (laughs) And you also, do you also do like physical training, like not on track, but like strength and conditioning, cardio or.
2: Yeah. So. As a race car driver, you kind of have a lot of jobs outside of racing, typically, just because one, racing doesn't pay the bills until you're up in the higher ranks, and so <laughs> I looked at becoming a personal trainer as well. Uh, went through all the schooling to do personal training, and then never took the final exam, so I am pretty well-versed in, in um, you know strength and conditioning, stuff like that, And so I do like to work with some of my clients on building them a, a program, You know, whether it's just a recommendation because I'm not an actual personal trainer. Uh, but I kind of give them a, hey look, you know, let's go work on this this week. You know, looked like you got tired after your second session, and you know we need a little bit more cardio. Your shoulders were tired because you know you, you just couldn't handle the G forces of the car or something. So we'll, we'll we'll do some of that. I do a lot of it personally, um, like I like I touched on with boxing. I think that was one of the best things that I ever did for my racing career. It gave me focus while under pressure. You know, you're you're getting punched and you're still thinking. Um, it gave me some of the best cardio I've ever had. It gave me great hand-eye coordination, gave me quick reflexes, everything you need to drive a race car. So, um, I do suggest that a lot for a lot of my clients. I'm like, Hey, look, even if you go to your gym and you're working with a personal trainer, a lot of them know the basics of boxing. So why not try it? You know, get, get the hands moving, get the eyes moving and and think under the pressure. And then they, they usually feed back to, They like that a lot, and it's it's a fun at workout instead of just going in there and pushing weights and whatnot.
1: That's really interesting. I would have never thought that that would be like the workout for people to do, but it makes total sense because it is hand eye coordination, and you're gonna get punched (laughs) like that (laughs) if you're not paying attention. You're you're gonna hit the wall. (laughs)
2: exactly yeah and you're you know you're playing chess while you're out there so you're playing chess in a race car because you you've got multiple different moves going on in your head of working you know the track and the people and the traffic um and the car dealing with the car at the same time and so same thing with boxing you know you're trying to think several steps ahead just like you would in a race car because i want to set this guy up to to punch him here so i'm gonna do a couple shots up high and then throw a left hook and then i've got the right right hook to the body coming so same thing with racing you know I keep acting like I'm going to dive to the inside of this corner. Well, next lap, he's going to think I'm going to go there. He's going to move over and I'll, I'll be on the left side of the track ready to, to take the outside and, and work my way around. So, um, you know, it, it I was so surprised. I didn't know I was going to do it, but it, it translated so well into racing. I mean, you watch Lewis Hamilton, Daniel uh, Ricciardo, all, Leclerc, all of them have videos of them boxing pato award uh in IndyCar. I mean, he's a huge boxer he loves boxing his gym in san antonio looks amazing and i just want to go hang out all day long but you know a lot of a lot of race car drivers do box because there's there's a lot of correlation between the two
1: so if you get to randomly go hang out with pato i'm coming <laughs> yes. i have so many questions about his life uh <laughs> i think he's so cool and i like fangirl on him so hard and it's like secretly yes. he's I- pretty awesome <laughs> I will openly admit that I watch a lot of TikToks about Pato Award because <laughs> he's just like yeah. cool and his gym is freaking amazing.
2: Yes, yes. He he lives a pretty amazing life. I've met him a couple of times. One of our mutual friends raced together in the, the 24. And so I got to meet him through that. And he's he seems like a super down to earth, fun, relaxed guy. But uh, yeah, does live quite the life and, and gets to have some fun doing it, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, tell us a little about your experience last year. Cause it was your pro debut. You were the, um, mm-hmm. it was the, the, the joint race with the 24 hours at Daytona. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So last year was, was I helped, you know, our team double a guy to manage a race team. We had four cars. Um, but we did that amateur stuff. So we did, um, amateur endurance racing, which was like each weekend was, Two nine-hour endurance races, um, or, you know, if we went to Daytona, we did a 14-hour endurance race, um, and then they had a 24-hour race at Sebring, which was mind-boggling, but it was cool. Uh, 24 hours at one of the toughest, hardest surface tracks in the country, if not in the world, um, really abuses cars and drivers. So it was it was pretty cool to see the, the attrition of all of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we started in – I guess, late December or early December, we bought one car and we're like, hey, let's go, you know, drive race cars and, you know, get some clients and we can we can grow from there. Well, we did our first race in Circuit of the Americas in December. Uh, So not last year, but the year before. That was just kind of like our warm up, like, hey, let's try this. And so we did that and brought out actually NASCAR driver Corey LaJoy, kind of helped coach him around the track, get him some seat time because NASCAR was headed there. Um, He's like, hey, let's let's give this a shot. So I would met him through some of the TV show stuff I do. And I was like, come on out, let's do it. And we had a couple other drivers and we were doing really well. Um, Just lost the car both days. We had a driver find a wall and then we had a driver blow a transmission. So it was tough. But uh, we were I mean, right up front the entire time. We're like, okay, we can actually do this. Like, let's give it a go. Well, Fast forward about a month or two, um, two Porsches came up for sale that were just running an IMSA the year before by a guy that I knew here in St. Louis, actually, where I'm based out of. And the financier, the team was like, well, why don't we get these? They, they're they gonna be good in the series. I was like, I mean, sure, uh, we'll, we'll give it a go. And so then that snowballed into him also buying a BMW in uh, Belgium, I believe. It was sitting over there. And then he's like, well, we also need another Miata, you know, that way we can work that Miata on, on some weekends and then coach on other weekends. And I'm like, so we went from a one-car, maybe a $100,000 program to several million dollars and looking at toters and, you know, doing the full-blown deal. I had two shops basically running operations, and it was just mind-boggling how quick it all exploded. Um, and so we went through that uh, pretty quickly, and, you know, he – wanted to see some returns in the, the the series and unfortunately he didn't so we ended up parting ways about three quarters of the way through the season but uh, in all that I did get to do my first pro race with IMSA so it was at the day, it was at the 24 Hours of Daytona event mm-hmm. but it was not the big race it was a yeah. prelim race um, and it was in global or was in the MX-5 Cup series um, so little 2021 Mazda Miata's but they've got you know Full race suspension, brakes. They've got a sequential transmission. Everything stripped out. They've got full FIA race uh, roll cages. You know, they they go from a thirty thousand dollar street car to a ninety plus thousand dollar race car in a heartbeat. Um, and then you have thirty of them in a spec series, so they're all you know, same engine, same transmission, same different. Like you can't adjust any of that. All the only thing you can do is adjust, you know, actual race suspension, you know, the setup of the suspension mm-hmm. and tire pressures. And then it's all up to the drivers. So you have 30 plus Miatas running around Daytona, all basically fighting for the lead at any point, because there's packs of 10 to 15 cars drafting past other packs of 10 different cars. Like it's, it's just like NASCAR at times. It was, it's mind boggling how close the racing is. Um, in the in the mx5 cup series it's it's some of the closest racing we used to run with indycar uh, for a while before we switched over to imsa and they had i would see all of the indycar drivers just walk out onto the paddock you know under their little like tents just to watch our races because it was so intense the entire time for 35 minutes or 45 minutes it was nuts so uh it was pretty exciting i finished okay um yeah. Just got off on the back foot. I hadn't been in a car in like six months when I yeah. got the call to do it. And so um, we we put up a show. You know, we 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 came up and, and did a thing. And you know, my teammates ended up winning the race. So it was cool to see that happen. You know, we were all part of all part of the team, and it all it was all a fun weekend to be a part of, though.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so cool. So cool to have <laughs> all these experiences within the racing world that you're sharing with us today. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a lot to lot to be talked about when you go through the racing world. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many different avenues you can go down, and so many different things you can do to be a part of it.
0: Tell us about your like proudest moment in racing that you've ever had. Oh, I, I
1: know, tough one. We had to add a tough one, but the one yeah. after this
0: is an easy one, I promise.
2: All right, all right. Um, I mean, Daytona was awesome. Like, mm-hmm. that's your first big big deal. Uh, but I think honestly was winning my first race in Skip Barber. So that weekend that I talked about where I won the shootout. Leading up to that, there was actually a three-day race, or three days of racing as well. So we were allowed to do those three days of racing to kind of learn the track and get an upper hand going into the shootout. Everyone was allowed to do it, so I took advantage of it. And uh, my first race, and, well, I guess it was technically it was like my second race in Skip Barber. Um, but, like, my first real race, I knew what I was doing. I was ready to get out there and just kind of, you know, learn the track. I, I didn't actually have any plans on winning or qualifying well. I just wanted to go learn the track. Um, it'd been raining all day, and I was like, all right, well, let's just let's not wad a car up. We're, we're here to learn, and I get out there, and qualifying was okay. I qualified, like, fourth out of 11 or 12, something like that, so nothing crazy. Um, the front three guys were all fighting for the championship in the, the series that year. And so I was like, you know, I don't want to mess with them. I don't want to mess up their, their season. Well, come race time, we uh, we head out, and I'm doing well. And I was like, oh, hmm, that's cool. I, I passed the guy. And then, I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm catching the leaders. All right, let's keep going. And, you know, it's, it's still raining. Like, the track's soaking wet. There's tire spray everywhere. And, uh, you know, I pick off another guy, and then I'm fighting with the leader. And I was like, I mean, I'm not going to try and fight with him, fight with him again. I didn't want to mess up their championship, but, like, if I'm faster, I'll go around him. And it just happened I was faster and I went around him. And, and next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the lead of the race and we got a last lap or two left and he's just falling behind. And I was like, all right, well, let's keep going. And that when you said that, when you asked me that question, there was one picture that popped in my head. Or one thing that popped in my head it was a video that someone took. I get out of the race car, or I, I pull up the pit lane, and, you know, my dad's always been a big part of my, my racing career. My family's always there, but my dad and I, it was just kind of our thing. And I get out of the car, and he's the first person I see, and he just screams woo, and it's kind of like ritual. When you win your first Skip Barber race, they dump a bucket of ice on you. Well, yeah. mind you, it's raining. It was like <laughs> February in Atlanta, so it's maybe 50 degrees. I'm freezing already, and they decided to dump icy water down my back. <laughs> so i'm like shivering but i jump out of the car and i run up and i give my dad a hug and he like pulls me over the barrier and then i'm like hugging everybody And it was like my first you know big race win even though it wasn't a pro race it was like my first big win and so that's probably my coolest experience while driving a race car was getting out and just seeing it you know start to pay off that was what it was like yeah things were coming together and i saw my dad and my friends and everybody was there cheering so that was that was special i'll know i'll always remember that one
1: I love that. Your dad is your own personal woo girl. Like, <laughs> that's so cool.
2: Yeah, he the video's great. He's embarrassed by it, but I love it. He was just so excited. He didn't know what to do. He just threw his arms up and screamed woo. <laughs> like, I, was, I was so happy.
1: It's so amazing <laughs> that you guys have done this together. Like, it it probably has made you guys closer. I mean, it seems like you guys were close before, but this is only just yeah. added to it. Oh, I yeah. Believe.
2: Yeah. It's just something, you know, it's always our thing. You know, like everyone, you know, everyone's got their parent and they do their thing with, well, this was, I did baseball, I did sports, I did soccer, whatever. My mom was always, you know, she was always athletic as well. So that was just a, you know, the joint parent thing. But like me and my dad really went down this racing world together. And, you know, we would trip mom was home with my sister and dad and I would take off to the the go-kart tracks on the weekend and we'd be gone March to October, you know, every weekend. So you just build that bond with with him and it's just something that you cherish you know you never want to let go of you know so having him being there for all of it was 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 special
1: that's fucking cool i'm just going to say <laughs> yeah. it that right like i think that's the only way to respond to that like that's awesome yeah. that they
0: supported so- it
2: yeah, yeah. And a little bit of touchback here on that Daytona weekend, um, you know, the, the financier I was working with at the time, he was uh, he was he was really good to me. He, you know, he tried to give me a, a really cool opportunity, just didn't work out. But, um, you know, it didn't seem like my dad or anyone was gonna be able to make it because it was kind of like a last minute thing. I was just trying to get out there and, and get the race weekend you know, done because i just was so far behind at, you know the whole team had been there testing and, and whatnot and i had not so they sent me all the videos and the notes and stuff and so i was trying to focus on that and they're like look we don't want to distract you nothing we don't want any outside distractions and nothing well lo and behold um tiger the guy my finance series, like uh Hey, hey, come with me. I need you to go talk to the BMW tent. We're we're trying to, you know, work something out with our car in Belgium. I said, okay, that's fine, because you know, that was part of my job as the, the team manager. So I'm I'm walking over there and my I'm still in my suit and everything. I think we'd just gotten out of like qualifying or something like that. And uh I was walking over there with him and all of a sudden I'm walking up and I'm like I see one of my dad's best friends who, who actually was the start of me getting into racing. So, that, that that's a whole other story. But he helped him and his two sons and then me and my dad got into racing together at the very same time. Like, he's like, hey, let's go try this out, guys. Well, I see him standing there and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Dan made it out because he, he lived in Florida. So, I was like, oh, that's cool. He made it out. I didn't know he was coming. And then I'm like, I see kind of my dad and my girlfriend sit on a bench. I'm like, wait a second. was here. Like, what is going on? And so he surprised me and he flew him out there and, you know, they, he didn't want the distractions leading up to it, but, uh, you know, qualifying was done. Now it was just race time. And so they got to watch, they got to watch my first pro race. And, you know, again, him being there was one of the most special things, you know, I could have ever asked for. Um, so yeah, the journey with him is only more, more special each time, each time you make it up. It's like, look, We started down there and we keep going so it was cool to like have him there for every part of this experience
0: yeah that's incredible i'm so thank you so much for sharing all of that with us like to see your family there when you thought they weren't going to be there it's just it changes it changes the whole weekend yeah
2: yeah, it's just you know it brings more more sentiment to each each weekend as well. Um, you know, not everyone's fortunate enough to have those kind of opportunities, and so you never want to take anything for granted. So I'll always always be grateful for for those types of you know, situations and in, in days that at the racetrack.
1: I love it. Okay, I did. Um, we're gonna wrap up, but I did promise yeah. you an easy last question because you okay, made you all right, ready. Because we are an yes. F one podcast, we have to ask: uh-huh. What's the team? What's the driver? You a back? Like if you were, what's the See, one? This
2: is not an easy question. This <laughs> is not an easy one either. Come on, now. <laughs> this is not at all an easy question. Um, I mean, okay. I... Since day one, all right, I, I break it down a little bit here. All right, okay. since day one, I was, I was always a Lewis Hamilton fan. You know, okay. I liked the story. Yeah. Uh, I was always a Lewis Hamilton fan. Now, um, I will be very forward and say I am not a Max Verstappen fan. I think the kid's talented, and that's where I draw the line. Um, Got it. I don't like him at all. Yep, not a Max Verstappen fan. Uh, if I had to put, if I had to give my top three, I'd say Danny Rigg, Charles Leclerc, and Lewis. Those are my stay. those are my 3 favorites. You can say.
0: You can say.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean
1: like
2: can you see the like Danny Rick tribute wall? Yes, yeah, oh see? God. I love it. Danny Rick. I mean he, he, how do you not like him? That's just it's not possible not to like him.
1: <laughs> physically impossible. Like the people that don't like him are vi- there's like a very small number of them and it must like yeah. physically hurt them every morning to not like that man.
2: <laughs> exactly. They just must not be happy in life and so they can't be happy for him being happy you know because Danny's always happy even when he's not happy he's happy like it's still a smile to be had even after a bad race or a wreck you know
1: (laughs) you have to love him he is literally sunshine in like a, a in human form
2: yes yeah I love Danny Rick and I think Charles Leclerc had an awesome like background to his life and you know being part of Jules and whatnot and and the kid is talented and I really really hope if if Lewis doesn't win this year, I want Charles to take it. Yeah. Especially because I don't think Max deserved that championship last year.
1: Ooh, and that's <laughs> okay. the T. That, and that's yeah. the T.
2: that was that was FIA red flags. You know that race should have been stopped. And yeah, that's a whole different story. I probably, I'm, I'm sure you guys already talked about on here, but yes, I do not, do not at all agree with Max Verstappen's championship. I will always put an asterisk by that. So, I want Charles Leclerc to beat him this year. I think he's got the best shot, and the kid is talented.
1: As he's always so calm and
2: collective. As,
1: as long as he does not do something stupid or have another inchadint.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're coming up to Monaco, eh?
1: Hey, guess what? He got it over with. He crashed. He nah, crashed Nikki so. Lauda's car already. We're gone.
2: <laughs> I know. I heard. I heard. So, hopefully, I you know may peep the podcast. I think I, I heard he got it out of the way, so hopefully it's gone.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, if superstition is a thing, theoretically, he's already fulfilled the curse. I did yeah, look up curse. That's, that's true.
2: That's <laughs> true. You know, so we'll see. Fingers crossed he shows up and does well. Um, you know, it'll be a fun race to watch for sure. Which one's first? Barcelona's first, and then, then Monaco. So, yes. yeah. We got we got a week to, to prepare for that, and then we hit hit Monaco. So that'll be exciting.
1: Exactly. Well, that's a bucket list track. That's for you to drive or you to attend.
2: Um, both. But like, you know, hey, you guys if you make it big, just take me with you and we'll do a podcast live from the track, all right? Love
1: it. Perfect. <laughs> you can you can be like our version of Martin Brundle. You can
2: do a grid. <laughs> so there we go. I like it. I can I can give play by play. I've done it before. Let's do it. Perfect. we'll go, we'll go full full broadcast on this one. <laughs> oh,
1: I love it. Maybe we'll need to like stream a race, the three of us, and the three of us react to it. Cause that would actually yes. be funny. The two of us just yeah. babbling on about F1, and then you being like, okay, like he braked a little late on that. That's why he did it. And we'd be like,
2: okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can dissect the driving and you guys keep it entertaining. Yeah.
1: Love it. Oh <laughs> That's God. something we can do. Um, well, I'm ready. We want to give you an opportunity to plug like your socials where people can like follow you. Yeah. Um, so go for it.
2: Definitely, yeah. So, basically, everything is at uh, Wear 98 So, D-E-R-E-K-W-A-R-E 98. Typically, no spaces. Uh, I think Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, those are all, all the same. Uh, so, Wear 98 on all of it. It's pretty, pretty good. And then I keep, you know, that updated with my daily life and the, the film world and then the racing world and everything else that happens. So, it's always fun to, to, to follow along um you'll see some of the the drama from the tv show in there as well so that's hiding deep down in the instagrams mm-hmm. yeah they pulled they pulled all the socials for it it's there's some beef man so it's it's cool to, to you know to, to hop on and, and check it out so go get a look
1: <laughs> <laughs> everyone
2: Thank go you. follow him and yeah, everyone
0: go follow him hype him up <laughs>
2: we'll,
0: we'll keep you updated when the netflix show drops too yes
2: yeah i'll shoot Megan a text be like hey it's happening <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say it's happening
1: <laughs> i'll know exactly what you mean
2: yes you'll just have to get me back on and then we can go through the whole the whole show as well so
1: um done we'll book it in now <laughs> there we go well thank I you like thank it. you thank you so much nope, we i awesome. appreciate it so much it was good to catch up um and i mean we're gonna have to do it again we've we've, we've already planned something yes
2: Thank you guys for having me out. I will more than be, I'll be more than happy to hop back on an episode with you guys again. It was, it was fun.
0: Thank you. And we'll catch you guys next time.
1: Thank you so much for listening to another episode. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at dirty driving Pod on Twitter and Instagram
0: until next time. Stay dirty.